Well, let's look at uh, Philippians 3.12 this evening. Philippians 3.12, it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay a hold or lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this is Paul, the Apostle Paul speaking to the, or writing to the Corinthians, or the, excuse me, the Philippians. Now let's just read verse 12 again. He says, not that I have already attained, so I'm not already arrived, I'm not, I don't have everything perfect, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Can anybody agree with the Apostle Paul and said, well, I haven't already attained yet either. I'm not already perfected either. Can we agree that we're all in the same boat? Because that's important. If you are, then you just might as well quit reading, go home, fellowship with God on your own, I guess. You, you're perfect. But uh, no, none of us are perfect. And it says, I press on. So Paul had to press on. Do you think Paul was mature spiritually? <laughs> well, I think so. To it, he, he was an apostle. He, he wrote a good portion of all these letters that we read. He was used mightily of God. I think uh, he, he uh, was matured to a degree, but he still said, I'm not perfect and I need to press on. So we need to press on and all this applies to us. Uh, probably even more so. We don't put people on a pedestal, but you honor people. I mean, you know, you want to probably, when you get to heaven, I, I'd like to meet the Apostle Paul. There's probably going to be a line, but, you know, we have a lot of time, so we'll get all, we'll all get to meet him sooner or later. You know, it's not like you go to an amusement park and, you know, you only got so much time and you got to pick which ride you go on because you can't get to them all because the lines are too long. I mean, personally, I'd rather, unless... There's a few things that I've waited in line for that, but mostly it's like, not worth it, I'm going to something else. I'll just go to hit several of the other rides that I don't have to wait all day, because I'd rather actually be getting to do something than spend most of the time waiting in line for a 60-second ride. But that's just me. Sometimes there's rides you want to wait in. But anyway, we'll get to meet him. So, let, so it says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. So again, he said, I'm not, I'm not there. Like somebody said, I, I haven't arrived, but I've left. I'm on my way. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 13 in the NLT, it says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
So I'm, I'm forgetting what's behind, what's in the past, and I'm looking forward. In the Young's literal translation, it says, Brethren, I do not reckon myself to have laid hold, but one thing, or and one thing, the things behind indeed forgetting. Now, the Young's literal translation is just that. It's literal, kind of clunky sometimes, but it brings out the, the meaning. You can see what it's really saying. The things behind indeed forgetting, and to the things before stretching forth. So, you know what you're doing behind, you're basically cutting it off saying, I'm not looking at that. And then the things ahead, stretching forth. So reaching out here, but I'm not looking back. So I'm doing two things. I mean, you could say it's one, but I'm ignoring this because you can try to straddle. If you try to reach forth and reach back, that doesn't work very well. You know, you got to pick. It's not going to do you any good to go backwards. There's nothing there. You can't go backwards anyway. Not in time. I know there's all the movies, but, you know, to our knowledge, I'm sure God has a way to do something, but you and me, today, now, we can't go back in time. But you can go back in time with your mind. That doesn't, that's usually not helpful. I mean, reminiscing, that's one thing. Going back and rehearsing what you messed up, not so helpful. Because you can't change it. And it can be infuriating. You know, you've been there, you, did, you want to change it, you can't, and you just keep going, if only, if only, if, okay, but you can't. So that's just going to make you more upset. Right? So you got to pick. So you, you don't do that. It's emphatically saying, you know, as the Young's literal say, says, the things behind indeed forgetting. I bet you nobody has ever said that phrase in your life like that, unless you are reading this out loud. But you are indeed forgetting the things behind, behind indeed forgetting, and to the things before, what are you doing? You're stretching toward that. So you're not stretching back, you're stretching forward. Philippians uh, 3.14, then going back to the New King James in verse 14, says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. In the NIV, it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we're going somewhere. We're eventually going to be in heaven. That's the context and um, the perspective we're supposed to have. As we're stretching forward, it's ultimately stretching forward to what we're going to receive in heaven and where we're going, not what is here on earth. So there's a goal. There's something that we're stretching forward to. But we're supposed to forget what is behind and go and move forward. And we need to understand to do that, that God is a God of mercy and He fully supports us as we go about this. Because if the Apostle Paul wrote this, but, but God is not a God of mercy then you're going you're gonna to be stuck trying to do this. You're going to be hung up because you're going to feel this pressure to be perfect. I mean, it's one thing to say just move on when you just got completely beat up for not 
you know, for what you did all the time, that's going to make it hard for you to move on. But God's a God of mercy. He's a good God, and He loves us, and we need to, that needs to be in our core. Psalm 118, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. His mercy. In Lamentations 3, verse 22, it says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Thank God for that. That means when you get up, it's a new day. God's mercies are new. Whatever happened yesterday, like the Apostle Paul said, behind indeed forgetting and go to the new day and receive God's mercies and say, well, this day I'm going to do what I know to do. And that can be a challenge. But we need to know God's mercies are new today. When you wake up and you see the sun shining or you don't because it's cloudy or you have your shades pulled or whatever, regardless, when it's a new day, God's mercies are new. And, of course, they're new every minute of the day. Of the day. Thank God it isn't just on day boundaries. Sometimes you need it in the middle of the day. I would say often you need it in the middle of the day. Aren't you glad it's, you know, 8.30 in the morning and you're like, oh, no, i got to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> I've already blown it. I need it now. God, please help. Sorry, we're out. Please call back at 5 a.m. tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time. You're on your own, buddy. Nope, it's not that way. Thank God His mercies are new every morning, but they're new every millisecond. So you can receive mercy anytime you need it. Psalm 145 in uh, verse 8, it says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger. Aren't you thankful He's slow to anger? And great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. His tender mercies are over all His works, all of creation. The Lord is good to all. He is great in mercy. Great in mercy. He's compassionate. He's good. He's forbearing. He's slow to anger. He's kind. He's a good God. And He's like this all day, every day. When we wake up, regardless of what the day before hell, we can say, Lord, I thank You, You're merciful. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go on. Like Anne of Green Gables said, wake up. It's a brand new day with no mistakes on it. A brand new day with no mistakes on it. I like that. That's the way we need to think. And you know what? If you need to reset it halfway through, it's a brand new three quarters of a day with no mistakes on it. <laughs> it's a brand new 23, 24 of a day with no mistakes on it. I did it early, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reset now. If it's evening, 
it's a brand new evening with no mistakes on. I'm flushing the, you know, the rest of the day. Okay, we're going on. He is good as mercy endures forever. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's like what the Apostle Paul was saying, to press ahead and to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here it says, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those that have gone on before us that are in heaven, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before, before us. Well, how can you do that if you're so concerned every time you miss it? You don't plan to miss it, but you miss it. You, something goes wrong. If you're tripped up, how are you going to run with endurance without the mercy of God and the grace of God and being conscious of that? Then you've basically gone back under it's all what you do. Why did Jesus come then? You just reset to where you, you have to, it's all basically, what we do is important, but Jesus came so that we could be right with God and, and receive, these, you know, some of these psalms that, that, that we've read, and we'll read some more, but those are under the old covenant. I mean, they're not even with Jesus having shed his blood. How much more now? And they're talking about God being so merciful. He is merciful. God has not changed. But man needed a Savior so that he could walk in all that God wanted him to walk in. Because he wasn't, I mean, it, that was the problem. Man would fall, and God had to deal with them based on what they were doing, based on, you know, they were looking forward to Jesus, but Jesus hadn't come. He, the fullness of his, uh, of his death, burial, and resurrection wasn't realized, but we live in a new covenant, and so how much more can we receive and understand the mercy of God and walk in it? That's the whole reason Jesus came. And so for us to run with endurance, we need to understand with this truth. That's not supposed to be separate for, from this truth and from what Jesus did for us. He said to lay aside every weight, every sin, which so easily ensnares us. When you understand God's mercy and His grace, then it allows you and enables you and empowers you to run your, way, your race stronger and to actually push off things that would otherwise ensnare you. Because you understand God's mercy and grace, and so those things don't pull on you. When, when you miss it and you feel like everything is going to come down on you, it actually pulls you into that very thing. Because the condemnation that you receive afterwards that you getting beat up about it makes it so that you're more easily going to do it again. It doesn't actually push you away. You know, getting beat up doesn't make it easier for you to, to, um, 
to avoid things that aren't good for you, it makes it harder because when you're feeling beat up, you're more prone to do it. That's what people do all the time. They feel condemned, so they're, draw, they're driven in to things that aren't good for them. Whereas when we understand what God's grace and mercy and that He loves us and that He actually, His grace is toward us and that His mercies are new, it actually enables us to walk stronger, to rock at a higher level, to actually run with endurance. Hebrews 4 verse 14 says why we can do this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus is not someone who is looking from afar and can't understand what we've been through and what we're going through, he came to earth and walked as a man. So he understands because he is God, he understands the perspective of God, but he understands man because he walked as a man. And so he understands the challenges that we go through. He understands what it's like to walk with temptations on this earth, but he conquered everyone. But he understands what, what you and I are dealing with. And so verse 16 says that, he sa it says, let us therefore, well, therefore what? Therefore that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. Why? Because he understands, because Jesus made the way. And so it says, come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. That we can obtain mercy. How do you obtain mercy? By coming to his throne. Not by running away, by coming to his throne that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When do you need the help? When you need the help. You don't need it three days later, although that's good too. I mean, it's good any time, but when you need the help and you need the grace is when you're in the middle of something and you need it. We all need the help when we need the help, which is not always convenient, you know. If, if, if somebody needs help, that you know they need it when they need it. Not, you know, if they call you in the middle of the night, that's when they need it. Not, well, you know, let me schedule in, you know, next Thursday. Okay, thank you, but I'm going to have to get help somewhere else because I actually need it now. 
You know, if something goes off in the middle of the night and somebody needs help, you know, they need it in the middle of the night, which is not convenient. Recently, our smoke and carbon monoxide detectors decided to go end of life, which I did not find out that's what's going on for a while because I was like, I got to check on that. So we're, it's beeping in the middle of the night, not beeping incessantly. You know there's nothing wrong. It's like the beep to let you know that the first time it happened, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, a week and a half ago. And I'm thinking, great, the battery's going out. And of course, it happens in the middle of the night, not at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> you, know, you know that feeling where you're sort of coming out of sleep? Shelly's a lighter sleeper than me, and this comes in handy sometimes. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I got up the first time, because even then, you do probably heard it, but I eventually heard it. I'm like, great. We need a new battery. Yeah, you woke me up. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> woke me up to tell me that there was something going on with the smoke detector. You know, it's not like the bump, 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 there's a problem. It's just bump. And then 60 seconds later, bump. So you're kind of groggy, and then you're getting up. Oh, great. Okay. So we go to one, and I change the battery. Okay, seen that, done that, whatever. You know, change it. And a little bit later, the other one goes off. So then it's like, okay, definitely. They, I mean, they're so synced. They're actually going, okay, so then I get another 9-volt. No, I, and we didn't have another 9-volt new, so I had to go pull it out of one of the kids' instruments or something and go and put, put the thing up, because I'm like, because then it won't stop if you don't put a battery in it. Okay, fine, we, we did that. Going back to bed, because that wouldn't happen like a half hour later, and so then fine, we're going back to bed. Three days later, two something in the night, bump. I'm like, I just changed the battery. What is going on? Changed that one, and then the other one. So I was like, maybe there was just something with that one. And then the other one went off, like a half hour later, after you try to go back to sleep. I'm like, something is going wrong. And then the other, the third one went off, one of those days, and I changed that one. Okay. I'm thinking, all right. So then the next day, I'm like, something must have been wrong with some of those batteries. Maybe, you know, the one was the kid. So we got new batteries, swapped those out the next day. Three days later, at two something in the night, bump. Okay, there's something else going on. This is not a battery. Either the thing is malfunctioning, but only two of them were doing that. The third one was not. So finally, I check on it. I'm like, and I have to remember, it's like, okay, I got to get that on my to-do list, that now we're at the point where we know it's not a battery, there's something going on, either things met function or whatever. Well, come to find out, after seven years or ten years, these things go end of life, and it's trying to tell me it's going end of life. And every three days, that resets, and it's going to do it again, and it's just going to happen to do it whenever the last one was, so it's going to continue to do it at two o'clock in the night, up to 30 days, and then I guess it goes nuts, and it won't stop. But you can turn it off. So anyway, now we're getting new smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. 
My point in saying all that, although I didn't have to give you that inform much information, is that when something goes off in the middle of the night and you need something, like in that case, Shelly wakes me up, I can't say, I'll do it in the morning. <laughs> Snooze her. <laughs> I'll do it two days from now. No, it's going to nag us every 30 seconds all night until you do something about it. <laughs> and so when we need help, it's not like we, you know, God, God, thank God he doesn't go, sorry, I don't work nights. <laughs> Call me at six in the morning and then you'll get the help for whatever you're going through. No, whatever you need, when you need it, you can come and get the help and get the mercy. When you need mercy, you need it then. You don't need it three weeks from now. You need to have the mercy now, and God provided a way so we could have mercy when we need it. We can have grace, grace to help in time of need. That means His ability to do what you need to get done when you need it. When you need it, not later. Second Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus came, and he became our high priest, so that we could become righteous in Him, the righteousness of God in Him. And so because He came, we can approach the throne to receive what we need. We can receive help. And if you need mercy, if you've missed it, then you need to approach the throne knowing that you're able to be there, because of what Jesus did, knowing that you're not out of place to be there, knowing that you can receive mercy and grace at that time when you need it. When do you need the mercy? It's when you've done something that requires mercy. If you don't need it, I mean, you don't need mercy when everything's going well, right? If you're doing everything right, you don't just say, oh, I need mercy. No, you save that for when you need the mercy, and then you say, oh, I need mercy. But by definition, if you need mercy, that means not getting what you deserve. So you need it when you did something that should deserve something else, right? That's when you need it. That's when you got to go to the throne. So this is not talking about the sunny day situation when there's, everything's going perfect. This is talking about when you messed up. And so we need to know that we're the righteousness of God in Him. We read this last week, 1 John 1, 9. We need to know what to do and that we're supposed to do this. 1 John 1, 9 says, For if we confess our sins, we acknowledge our sins, we acknowledge uh, that what we did is wrong. In other words, 
and confess it, say, this was wrong, I did that, it was wrong, I'm separating myself from it. Then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's faithful and just, that means he's right in doing so, he's faithful to do it, that means he won't let you down, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we need to know that that's what he'll do and that we have the ability to come to him when we need it. When do you need to do this? You don't need to do this and make something up when you haven't done anything wrong. But when we, if we have done something wrong, we need to know what to do so that we come to him and we need to know that there's not a hammer waiting for us. We need to know that there's mercy and grace waiting for us. But we need to come. Look at Psalm 32.5. We'll come back to Psalm 103. But Psalm 32.5, if you can skip down that. This is David speaking, writing. He said, I acknowledged my sin to you. That's the same thing. See, this is throughout the Bible. I'm not taking time tonight to, to uh, go over that. But 1 John 1, 9 is not the only verse that talks about confession or acknowledging. It, it's throughout the Word. It's, it, it's saying you acknowledge, you confess what you did. That's, a, that's owning up to it. Otherwise, it's like, to receive mercy and grace, you have to say, I need it. That means you did something. I acknowledged my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden. See, if you hide it, act like there's nothing there, then you don't get the mercy and grace. When do you need the mercy and grace? Help me out. When you did something wrong. That's when you need it. So what, what, do, you, what do you need to do? You need to go and acknowledge it and don't try to hide it. And if you know God's a God of mercy and you know you're supposed to come boldly before the throne to receive uh, grace, uh, mercy and grace to help in time of need, then you do this. And this is Old Covenant, but this is the same concept. David said, I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord. See, that's, that's what we're talking about. I confess. What are you saying? I missed it. <laughs> that was wrong. I'm here. Not trying to hide it, not trying to say, oh, nothing, didn't see anything. No, say, God sees everything anyway. Do we, do we understand that? But he's a God of mercy and grace, and we, we know that, so we can come. And he said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, he knows. God knows and sees everything. And he's a good God, and he's a God of mercy and grace. So when we miss it, we need to understand, okay, missed it. Lord, I need your mercy. I need your help. Lord, that was wrong. I separate myself from that. I'm acknowledging it. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm going to move on with your mercy. And I'm going to, like we were saying earlier, I'm resetting the day and I'm going forward. I'm not going to look back. Because you said, if I, if I acknowledge it, if I confess it, I say, look, that was wrong. I'm separating myself. Now it's in my past. Now I'm going forward. Now I'm going to go forward, and I'm not going to look back. I'm supposed to look forward. 
That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what the Word says. The Bible said that He, he cleanses, up, cleanses us of all unrighteousness, so I need to take Him at His Word and go forward. God knows what we deal with. Go, go up to Psalm 103, verse 10. This is in the Living Bible. It said, He has not punished us as we deserve for all our sins, verse 11, for His mercy toward those who fear and honor Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Giving us a picture of how great His mercy is. Verse 12, He has removed our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. This is a picture. So when we say, Lord, I acknowledge it. I stumbled. I need mercy and grace. I put it behind me. This is giving us a picture of how great His mercy is and what happens. His, anything that we did, you know, 1 John 1, 9 said He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Here it says He removes our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. In other words, behind us, going forward. We need, to under, we need to say, that's gone. Now, the devil will try to come back and make you think about it and bring pictures and say, oh, no, you got to pay. You need to put that behind us and say, no, we're going forward. And you have to keep doing that for, on, over and over if you need to. No, in the past, going forward. I'm taking God at His word. Verse 13 says, He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who reverence Him. For He knows we are but dust, and that our days are few and brief, like grass, like flowers, blown by the wind and gone forever. So God, He understands where we're at. That's what is said in Hebrews. Jesus, we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with where we're at. He understands. And he said, that's why Jesus came. So when you miss it, you come boldly and acknowledge it and say, Lord, I acknowledge that was wrong. Shouldn't have done it. Now, please forgive me. And when he cleanses us, we put it in the back. We put it behind us. And now our intent, we're going forward. What if you miss it more than once in a day? sarcastically, I mean, not that you have to miss it over and over, but what if you missed it more than once? What do you do the second time? You give up? No. You do the same thing. You miss it? Lord, that was wrong too. Shouldn't have done that. Put it behind, go forward. What, if you ha what happens if you do it again or do something different? Give up then? You lay over your bed and cry. You go eat a tub of ice cream. What? Go to Burger King and get fries and OD on them. No. Nothing wrong with fries at Burger King. You know, I said OD. No, you do the same thing. You keep going with God and no, putting it in the back. See, what the devil tries to get you to do is if there's something that you've dealt with over time, and if you miss it, try to get you to the place where you're condemned to where you say, forget it. Not worth it. Not going to win. And just yield. Don't go to God 
Here's the thing, God already knows. Here's the thing, God already wants you to come to Him. That doesn't do anybody any good. It actually harms us, and it actually is what Satan wants. That's why you don't do anything on purpose, because it creates a wedge between us and God. People say, well, it doesn't matter. You know, it's all God's mercy and love. and doesn't matter what you do. Oh, it matters because here's the thing. See, sin is deceitful, and Satan's plan is to try to get you condemned and get you removed from God to where you don't want to turn back to Him. So yeah, it matters, but what do you do? You miss it. You do what we're talking about, and you put it behind you, and you go forward, and you receive His mercy and grace. His mercy is new every morning. It's new every second. New every millisecond. You have a hard time if you can send more to where you need multiple renewals within a millisecond. I doubt you can send that fast. So you would, it's, but it's new. As far as you want to divide it down, it's new. In other words, it's continuously new. So when you need it, it's there. So what do we do? Lord, I blew it. He already knew that. But he needs you to acknowledge it. Need needs you to own it. Put it behind you. And what do you do? I receive your mercy and I'm going on. See, this is the only way we're going to be able to run our race with endurance. Otherwise, first time you're going down the road, you know, 70 miles an hour, looks great, but you trip up and boom, that's it, you're done. No, you can get back on the road. And then God wants us, if we go back to Psalm 32, let's read Psalm 32, uh, verse 5 again, but then I want to see this same psalm, what he's saying later. He says, I acknowledge, this is a good psalm, we're not going to take the time to read all of it. I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden, and I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now, three verses later, there's these verses. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible, but this is the context. Look at Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's what God's saying. See, he didn't get derailed. He's saying, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to guide you. In the Living Bible, it says, I'll, I'll uh, direct you in the best plan or best pathway for your life. Or I'll lead you in the best pathway for your life. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. He's saying, don't, don't be like the horse that you have to drag them. Just follow me. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. That means he has a plan. That means he has a next step. That means he's looking forward. He's not looking back. He's wanting you to press forward. Verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Mercy will surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. It said mercy shall, shall surround him. In, the, in Psalm 23, 6, Psalm 23 is a great psalm. We're not going to take time to read the whole thing. But in verse 6, at the end, David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Everybody say that. Say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Let's say it again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Let's say that again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One more time. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days. Goodness and mercy following us, surrounding us. God's mercy is new every part of every day. We can come to Him boldly to receive that mercy, to receive His grace constantly. What does that mean? No matter what goes on, no matter what we get tripped up with, we have victory, we can go over, we can know the mercy of God is there, that we can receive it, we can reach out for it. It's there all the time. It doesn't get used up. It doesn't run out. It's always available, and we know we have Him at our back all the time, all the days, and it will follow us. And so we can walk with our head held high. We miss it. We put it behind us. We stretch forward. We go on, and we continually do that until, until what? We cross the finish line, break that tape, and we walk in to eternity with our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior. Amen.